everyone, and welcome back to Coplin Talk. This is your co-host, Julia, here. Other co-host, Lily. <laughs> this week, we're talking about chapter 13 of Eye of the World, Choices. And this chapter starts right where we left last chapter, inside the cave made out of fallen trees. The Emmons Fielders are getting ready for bed after crossing the River Terran, and after Egwene's first lesson in the One Power. Lily... What are your first thoughts on this whole chapter? Yes. First thoughts. I loved training time with Lan. Yes. I needed I needed some interaction with him and the boys, and it made me really happy. I love Rand's quote. Yeah. I cannot make a mud-footed villager into a blade master into an hour, but perhaps I can keep you from slicing off your own foot. Okay? <laughs> we love Lan. Always with the one-liners. Love you, Lan. Rand, we'll get into this, because this is one of the... I love Rand and Egwene interactions, but he's so jealous of her and needs to comment on everything mm-hmm. she does. She doesn't have a mm-hmm. braid in her hair anymore. She, he doesn't think she's mm-hmm. going to be an Aes Sedai. These two little lovebirds have a lot to work through. So I, I know, you know, they're continuing. They're, they're working through it. They're working through it. Yeah. They're past the honeymoon phase at this yeah. point, And there's a little conflict. There's, there's, a, there's a little one, just a small one. Um, also Moraine lets slip um, that there's another Aes Sedai in the two rivers or another, Another person who can channel right, in the yeah. two rivers. Definitely Rand. That's oh. my prediction. And then immediately she's like, uh, just forget what I said, that her path <laughs> right. is different than yours. So it doesn't right. even matter. <laughs> yeah, because Egwene is like, is it Carrie or Tiara or somebody? <laughs> no, shut up. So I- anyway, that's that's kind of my first. All of those things we'll get into a mm-hmm. lot more. That's just mm-hmm, my mm-hmm. first droplets yeah. of info, so take it away nice all right into the summary the main points of this chapter like i said we start off in the cave everyone's going to bed and moraine is going around using the one power to drain the tiredness from everyone just like she did for the horses (laughs) it's so funny how much everyone does not want her to do this to them but she does it whether they want it or not and poor baby rand literally tries to blend in with the wall to avoid her but it doesn't work of course she grabs his head and he actually feels great afterwards he's like oh i don't feel tired at all anymore Mm -hmm. i could you know, keep going for days and days, and then he falls asleep <laughs> <Yeah>. immediately. <laughs> but they only get one hour of rest. It's been two days since winter night, so it's been a crazy couple of days for them. They're farther from home than they've ever been before, and everyone, including Egwene, is all a little bit homesick with no reassurance from Moraine or Lan. <laughs> None at all. Everyone's complaining, and Moraine and Lan just overhear it, and they're like, nothing. And? Yeah, (laughs) right. So with that, they begin their week-long trek to the very first stop on their way to Tarvalin, a town called Berlon, while avoiding farms and people along the way. They're still trying to be sneaky. And along the way, Lan, like we mentioned, teaches the three boys how to use their weapons and a trick to concentration that is very much like Tam's Flame in the Void. Mm. And also, Tom provides entertainment with stories that have happy endings to keep everyone's spirits up. Thanks, Tom. You are now useful. Yeah. <laughs> this this is fine for me. He, he, right. This yeah. Is fine. He's just the side entertainment. Cool. He's, you know, the jester of the group. And at some point, Egwene, giant gasp, unbraids her hair. She's undoing what 
made her a Two Rivers woman, she's a worldly woman now, and Rand throws a giant hissy fit about it. They get into a lover's quarrel. We'll get into this. <laughs> and at some point, Rand fucks up, obviously. This is fuck up number one, in my opinion, of oh, the okay. trip, and calls Aes Sedai dark friends. <laughs> Where Moraine overhears it. One of the best Rand moments, I've got to say. Yeah. This was, this was right. good. Yeah. And fuck up number two happens just a few days later when Egwene and Moraine are out doing their training together and the boys are just hamming it up at home, aka in whatever campsite they've made, talking about how Matt thinks they should just stop worrying altogether because they haven't seen the Shadow Spawn in a couple days, so what's the point? We should just go to Tyr, we should go to Ilian and have a grand old time, and again, Moraine overhears it and delivers quite a reality check to them this i we will talk about this i'm gonna leave it at that for now but it it's a great speech she's good at those she is really good at those i would love to be able to do that at some point <laughs> in my life <laughs> and she's also 411 so i know just, yeah it doesn't matter doesn't matter no anyway six days after they crossed the Terran, they finally arrive at Berlon, which is the town they were trying to get to Egwene and the boys are all shooketh by the size of the large town. They think it's a huge city to them. And of course, Tom sneers a little bit at that. Uh, They exclaim that it's bigger than Evans Field and Watch Hill and Devon Ride all put together. And maybe Terran Ferry too included. (laughs) Whatever. And Moraine and Lan actually go by code names in this town. They're known as Lady Alice and Master Andra and are well liked by the gatekeep Avon who spills the local tea with what's been going on. We'll also get into that. We learn that there are people called White Cloaks in the city. They're also referred to as Children of the Light, and no one's happy about that. White Cloaks don't like dark friends, and they really don't like Aes Sedai, so Moraine cannot be found out by them. There's also the man who calls himself the Dragon Reborn, still amassing followers in Gildon, and Avin, the gatekeep, also mentions there's some kind of trouble up north in a city called, or an area called Saldea. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I'm sorry if it's wrong. And we end the chapter with the group meeting Master Fitch, who is the innkeeper of the stag and lion. And that's where we leave it off. Mm-hmm. So a lot of exposition and info dump. Really, this really chapter. helpful though. Also, I want to say really quick, it's hilarious to me that Moraine thinks a code name is the only thing that's going to protect her against being found out. She right. floats around and has a purple gem on her fucking forehead. Right. Like, that I should mean, be enough to point out you're an eye. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah, you would think maybe not everyone just is kind of enamored by her. They all, like, the gatekeep Avin loves her, like, yeah. immediately. The gates, I don't know if you noticed, but the gates of Berylon are supposed to be closed anytime uh, between sunset and sunrise yeah. at night. They're not supposed to open for anyone at all. But as soon as Avin sees that it's Moraine, or Alice as he knows her, immediately runs down and opens the gate and is like, oh, Miss Alice, how are you? I thought you, like, would be gone with the sheep by now right. because you went down country and you don't know what's going on at all. Right. So. Yeah, there's definitely like a unknown prior relationship. I kind of, it, it kind of makes sense though. It's probably like um, Moraine and Land came from Tarval and they probably passed through Barillon. They probably right. spent time there right. like orchestrating their plan, hung out at the innkeep. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that they have that kinship, but you're right. It's like, oh yeah, Alice, Andra, come on in. My, <laughs> my favorite people. My bros. Love you guys. Yeah, love you guys. Yeah, no, there's a there's a lot to get to uh, in this chapter, much like every chapter. Right. I, I do 
want to spend time talking about how cute like the boys in Egwene are talking about their hometown and yeah. Matt especially Matt just being so excited for adventure it's like dude you haven't mm-hmm. had any traumatizing effects and it's it's it must be interesting because you're right I think the contrast of them having this insane two-day period where Moraine comes to the town they get attacked by Trollocs they have to leave and then six days of them traveling and nothing's happening I think it's fair for Matt to be like okay like I think we're good. Right. And so it, it seems like they're all, like, Moraine needs to, you know, remind them of the threat, which uh, she's correct in doing. But I think it's, like, it's okay for him to be, like, we're good, guys, right? Like, adventure. <laughs> I know. She goes, like, full-on dark mode, <laughs> yeah. being like, you fucks are already ready to give up. God I know. damn it. I know. But it's he's just wants adventure. But I think all of them, regardless of if they're excited or fearful, they know there's no going back. Like, there's only forward. Mm-hmm. That's it. And so I think... Right. No, like, they were looking for that reassurance, like, yeah. oh, like, we'll go back one day, right, guys? And everyone's just kind of silent. Moraine and Lan are silent. And then it's kind of like, oh, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> That's their level of reassurance that they're able to give to the, the ones. <laughs> yeah. I, I know we'll get into this, but one of my favorite Moraine quotes from this epic speech was, before I let the Dark One have you, I will destroy you myself. Oh, what are yeah. you talking about? That's not a good person. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Jesus. I mean, we'll we'll get into that. Maybe like, it's, it's like the living envy the dead type of thing. Like it it's gonna be better for you to die than to be captured by the Trollocs. So maybe it one of those. Right. I also want to say we got I loved this. We got names for Land's horse and Moraine's horse. Yes. Uh man man damn it. Man Mandarb. <laughs> Mandarb. Yeah. That's not right. Yep. Mandarb. I know it doesn't sound great, but that's right. Yeah. Blade in old tongue and Aldeeb. Mm-hmm. Moraine's white mare, mm-hmm. West Wind in the old tongue. I just mm-hmm. love those. It's nice to say yeah. a little bit. Yeah. No, there's there's a lot of words throughout the series from this one language called the old tongue, which is an ancient language that no one uses anymore on this continent, but people who are well educated know how to not speak it usually, but they at least know some words. Yeah, it's phrases, like Latin. So maybe. Yeah, exactly. It's like Latin. You know Latin. So they got they gave their horses some cool badass names. No, it's it's pretty cool. Which I appreciate. Yeah, I appreciate. Um before we get into the epic fight of Egwene V Rand, uh I want to talk about Trainer Land. This was my favorite part of the chapter. Yes. So I don't know how, but Matt Perrin and Rand are like aces with the bow. I know Rand does his flame and void yeah. meditation thing, but they're like a plus, like if they were in that training of how to make a man out of you from Mulan, they would have no problem getting the <laughs> yeah. the bows and the apples. You yeah. know what I'm talking about. Even Lan is impressed by them. Yeah, they're like, they're great at this. I, I also was like, this would be cool to watch. I don't know. Just it would be cool. Anyway. Yeah, some training Rocky montage, like <laughs> exactly. where's the stairs. Yeah, whatever. Uh, and then he's showing... Land showing Perrin and Ran how to uh, Perrin his axe and Ran the sword. Mm-hmm. And I love mm-hmm. this. It's like described as a dance. It's these flowing motions. And Rand is expecting these like chopping. And it's like, yes. no, sword play isn't yes. like that. It really is a dance. And we learned about this a lot in Game of Thrones and with Arya's training that it's not just jab, jab, slash, right? It's this whole choreographed thing, right? So that you don't hurt yourself. Yeah. That's a part of it too. Yeah. No, I love this part. And there's so many things in this series that Robert Jordan leaves intentionally vague, but it's vague in such a descriptive way yeah. that I understand yes. what he's trying to portray. And I really love that because if he was 
trying to dead on talk about the sword slashes that are going on, like from the upper right to the bottom left, mm-hmm. and then twist your hand and go back up again or something like that. It would just, I think it would be lost to me. I wouldn't quite get it. But when he's describing it as a dance like that, and there's some names for the sword forms that they'll get into, like like the waterfall, where you would just imagine it's the sword going straight down mm-hmm. or something like that, you know, it... it makes the picture much clearer to me. Yeah. And I really appreciate that kind of writing style. I think it's really cool. Oh, absolutely. So yeah, you're not reading it like this how-to guide. It's like you're really, you're being taught, like the boys are being taught how to use Mm -hmm. uh, their swords. Because even, this is Tam's sword, and even he's like, um... There's this sword. I'm not going to teach you how to use it, Rand. So, or actually, he doesn't give it to him. (laughs) Yeah. He has an issue with the trucks. But anyway... Rand yeah. never was trained. He's like, I know you didn't it. know. Yeah, yeah. You don't. You didn't know we even had a sword. Um, yeah. and I almost died, and now you have to leave. But take it. You'll have more use for it. Yeah, probably. you'll definitely have more use for it. Just we'll leave it at that. Um, and so <laughs> one thing Land says is, "Blank your mind, empty it of hate and fear of everything, burn them away." And so this makes Rand think about, oh, the flame in the void. And he's mm-hmm. like, remember Flame and Void and Land gives him, it says an unreadable look. I have a theory about this. Mm-hmm. This is very interesting to me. And so Rand, I don't know, Rand's trying to like make a connection and Land's like, dude, shut up. No one cares. <laughs> but I have a theory about this. Yeah. I think this, there's there's something going on here with the Flame and the Void. Yeah. Um, and right. S- I think and it such. takes a lot to make Land give pause yes. on something. Yes. So that's definitely a significant moment. Yes. Um, you want to get into the fight? I loved it. Yes. So let me find the page number for this. Oh, here it is. Yes. Okay. So this is page 179 of, I think this is called the trade back or the trade, whatever. It's the big brown Yeah. Book. Trade paper. Yeah. Yeah. Where there was the morning that Egwene awoke and began unbraiding her hair, and Rand watched her from the corner of his eye as he made up his blanket roll. And Rand is immediately, like, miffed at this. Yeah. And the first thing he says is, like, what are you doing? And he notes that this is the first time he's talked to her in two days. So not only is is he just coming out, like, aggressively questioning what she's doing with her own hair... It's the first time they've spoken in days, probably ever since um, he, like, found out or, like, they really began the lessons with channeling and stuff. So, I I don't know. I feel like Egwene probably feels a little bit ignored by Rand at this point, which explains the anger. Yeah, it's really hard to gauge what's going on with those two. But he, he basically goes into, like... You're not an Aes Sedai, you're a Gwaine Elvier, a mm-hmm. woman of the two rivers. Like, what would the woman's or the women's circle think of you back home? And uh, or a Gwaine defends herself and she's like, I will be Aes Sedai just as soon as I reach Tar Valen. Mm-hmm. And he says, as soon as you reach Tar Valen, why? Light, tell me that. You're no dark friend. So here's where he compares Aes Sedai to dark friends. And Gwaine's like, you really think Moraine is a dark friend? <laughs> and then... Of course, you know, Rand brings up Moraine sinking the ferry, which was, to be fair, questionable mm-hmm. in everyone's eyes, I think. And they're just shouting without realizing it, and it's very awkward <laughs> along the road in the forest, and everyone's just staring at them. And it's not great. This is their first, like, fight. 
I think. No. And you're right. I didn't kind of realize this. Like, this is the first time they're talking in two days. Not great. Having, like, yeah. being around each other. Also, I want right. to point out, he's watching Egwene comb her hair. It says, a hundred strokes he counted. <laughs> get get you a man who will watch you brush your hair a hundred times. Yeah. He watched, he counted it. That's crazy. But I think all this is because these are kids, you know, they're young. They don't right. know how to communicate. They are young. Rand is just trying to tell Egwene that he doesn't trust Moraine and Aes Sedai. He's trying to protect her. Right. But because they're both idiots, Rand more so, he fails. And he can't communicate that he just, he can't just come out and say, hey, I really care about you. I don't want you to get hurt. Yeah. This is really scary yeah. for me. I don't really trust Moraine. You know, maybe she's a dark friend. I don't really know. I'm not accusing anyone, but like, I'm just scared. I'm scared for you. I really care about you. Please marry me. All very valid (laughs) points. But then from Egwene's perspective, what 18-year-old woman who's experiencing her first taste of adulthood wants some dude to tell her what to do with herself. Absolutely. No, this was I think everyone I know would have popped off just like Egwene did. Like Absolutely. Shut no, the this fuck was up. this was her training with Nynaeve coming in. Absolutely. Rand was so mm-hmm. out of line. First of all, oh, don't yeah. ever tell a woman what to do with anything, but like her hair. I know hair is a little bit more of a deeper meaning the womanhood thing, but him saying like right. you are this. It's like she is whatever she is going to be. She's not just the daughter right. of the mayor right. or from Emmons Field. And she's clearly very determined to be an Aes Sedai now. Exactly. So. And you know, good for her. I'm I'm trying to warm to Egwene because I understand this is a huge plot point, even though I'm not a huge fan of it. But yeah, I'm really obviously against Rand trying to tell her what to do. However, I just wish he could say that. He's not wrong either. He's not wrong. I don't think he's wrong. He's not wrong to mistrust Moraine. He's not wrong to tell Egwene yeah. that. But maybe, I mean, you said before, the communication isn't great. It's not and good. And since we're usually in Rand's perspective, we're only getting sort of what he's seeing. Right. And again, remember that they're not always the most reliable narrators. Yes. So exactly. it's what we're seeing is through his eyes. It's not some omniscient godlike being that's telling it like it is it's whatever rand is interpreting it as right right exactly it's it's just whatever he sees so i think you know regardless of how they said it i think it was important and necessary that they're at least able to talk you know at least they're talking which is good Mm -hmm. um true yeah but oh jesus they have so much work to do even was it land who says who's like yeah you're trying to wake everyone up uh, inside 10 miles like he's over right them, yeah clearly he's oh over yeah this. well because they're in the middle of the woods they're literally avoiding random ass farms <laughs> yeah trying to not be seen by anyone and here are these two dumbass kids just arguing about braiding her mm-hmm. hair and yeah. it's just obviously it's important to them but you know there's bigger problems right now there, in the world yes sorry yes the next thing I have is when Rand is eavesdropping with Moraine's teachings to Egwene. But did yeah. you want to say anything else before that? Sure. So since we're already talking about fuck up number one, yes. why don't we talk about fuck up number two? Yes. Which is yes. like immediately afterwards where, you know, it's the next day. Yeah, it's two nights later. And Moraine and Egwene are off doing their lesson. So it's just the boys hanging out on their own. And here comes Matt just really excited to have his adventure now. He's convinced that there's no problems anymore. 
And he says, I say we stop worrying about Trollocs and such and start thinking about seeing the world. We're out where the stories come from. What do you think a real city is like? <laughs> mm -hmm. And, <laughs> you know, he mentions Camelin. All The roads all lead to Ilian. It sounds very Rome-esque. Yeah, Iliad. Yeah. Oh, true. I didn't even make that connection. And he mentions, this is the real fuck-up, Perrin's like, what's so special about Ilian? And Matt says, for one thing, Ilian isn't full of eyes to die. <laughs> and of course, Moraine walks in at the very end of this and overhears Matt and then goes into her tirade about how dare you after everything I've done. Tom even tries to defend them from her for a second, yeah. but she just like steamrolls him. But she... <laughs> Uh, I just, I love this speech. She says, a few days respite and you are ready to give up. A day or two of quiet and already you have forgotten winter night, which, you know, fair point. Yeah. People fucking died there. Tam almost died. And she says, the dark one is after you three, one or all. And if I let you go running off wherever you want to go, he will take you. Whatever the dark one wants, I oppose. So hear this and know it true. Before I let the Dark One have you, I will destroy you myself. Which is heavy. Whew. So rereading that again, what what do you get from that? Like, what's your impression there? Well, it's... Because, so to me, the whole reason they're on this journey is because Moraine and Land determined that the Trollocs were after Ran, Perrin, and Matt. So they are protecting mm -hmm. those three. And so for Matt to say... Hey, uh, it's been like a few days, no Trollocs. So why don't we go and journey around and we don't have to be around this fucking weirdo who's an Aes Sedai, right? <laughs> so I think mm -hmm. it's totally fair for Moraine to remind them why they were taken away because, and this is kind of a, um, a mistake on Moraine's part. She's not giving them any explanation as to what's going on. So I think it is fair for right. Matt to be like, all right, so can we leave now? Like, what are we doing? You're not telling us anything. So right. I think her saying these speeches is really important, but she's still not saying anything. She's just saying, right. if you get out of my sight, you're going to die. That's okay. <laughs> Thank you. But you're not, again, not telling us this. Although, yeah, the sentence, before I let the dark one have you, I will destroy you myself. That's going to make me stay put, for sure. Yeah. You know, that, that's, a, that's a mic drop moment. It even says that in her voice. It's so matter of fact that convinced Rand. Mm-hmm. But again, it doesn't convince me that she's good or has good intentions. That she's just saying whatever the Dark One wants. I oppose that. But again, we mm -hmm. don't know why these boys are important. We don't know why. Like, right. I think yeah. this would have been a good opportunity, Moraine, to, uh, to explain a bit to them about what your intentions are. I think that would create a trust between her and the boys a little bit. Maybe that they would follow her a little bit more. She's having all this girl chat with Egwene. I know. You know, they're, they're bros now. Well, why don't you help the boys to understand what they're doing? I think they... I was saying this about Rand a few chapters ago, too. It's like, just somebody, please help him. Explain to him what's going on. <laughs> he's blasting off on Egwene. He's pissed. He's probably right. not sleeping very well. So No, they're just, you know, taken from home and they're putting their full trust in Moraine and Land, but they don't know why. So obviously, very frustrating, but also they're being told that if they don't put their trust in Moraine, they're just going to die either way, by yeah. Trollic or by her. Right. So they don't get much choice here. And maybe that's all she can tell them now, I guess. But like, if I were the boys, I'd just be like, okay, I'm not leaving. I'm terrified. But like, can you tell me anything? So... 
Like maybe Matt's just trying <laughs> yeah. to pass the time. I don't know what's the harm yeah. in him saying like, oh, what about these places? Let him daydream while he can. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's yeah. Um, a tough time all around. They're just so bored and frustrated. It's like, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's like we talked about. It's like the part of the adventure that you don't fantasize about. It's like the sitting around yes. and staring at yeah. each other and... Your only entertainment is this Gleeman who's weird. Right. Imagine if you didn't have any Gleeman with you and you just had to entertain yourselves. All you have to eat is bread and cheese and you got your horses. You're going to start talking to the horses pretty soon. yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, I think it's, yeah, the only entertainment or activity they've done is like training with Lan and he's just insulted them for four Mm -hmm. hours. So (laughs) just let, let them, let them do their thing. They're not hurting anyone. I don't think that Matt is trying to come up with an escape plan right away. I think it's fair that he's saying, I don't trust you because she's done nothing to make them trust her. Well, she's done a few things, but- A few, yeah. Saving like Tam. Wayne is Wayne is saying that, where she's like, she saved our village. Yeah. She saved your dad. Okay, those are true, mm-hmm. but I only, they're only because they were in Moraine's path. They're part of her journey. I don't know. I don't, I, you know, I don't trust her. I don't know what she's doing. Yeah. No, I think it's all fair. Also, Egwene always needs a more powerful woman to, like, be a simp to. That's clearly Egwene's thing. Yeah. I mean, she's... She needs 90. Young. Yeah. yeah I- I'm she does. Way. She needs that inspiration, it looks like. Yeah, I know. I agree. I think I was when I was her age, and I still am to an extent. Yeah, of course. All right. So, that aside, let's get into Egwene's second lesson that we witness about the one power where Rand... <laughs> makes the genius decision, but luckily for us, so we can witness it, to go eavesdrop on the two women while they're out in the woods. Yeah. So we get a little bit more info about what the One Power can do or what it is. Um, We learned that the One Power is split into five separate parts. There's Earth, Wind, Fire, Water, and Spirit. Just very similar to, like, if you've ever watched Avatar The Last Airbender. We also learned that men and women have different strengths within these categories. Men are stronger in fire and earth, while women have more strength in wind and water. And I thought it was kind of a nice analogy where Egwene was, like, mad that men are stronger in fire and earth. Because she's like, well, obviously, those are the most powerful. Like, fire burns shit, and earth is, like, you know, just strong and stable. Mm -hmm. But Moraine makes a great point, like, what fire can't be put out with water and what rock can't be worn down from continuous wind. So it it all balances out. Again, that yin and yang feel for the series. Oh, yeah. And the big drop from this was that Moraine accidentally exposes the other woman in Emmons Field that has a, the potential to also be an initiate at the White Tower She says, few women these days have the ability to become initiates, much less have the wish to. Surely never two in one village before. The old blood is indeed still strong in the two rivers. And then she goes, oop, you have to forget I said that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Her road lies another way. Her. So, Mm -hmm. her road, yeah. So what do you think? I know you have some theories here. Yes. Okay, yeah, absolutely thought of Avatar, Earth, Wind, Fire, you know, all that shit. So in the glossary, there's a great section on the... I don't really think it's spoiler to look in the glossary for stuff. It really helps me out when terms come up. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So I was looking at the five... What is it called? 
five powers uh yeah mm -hmm. and then yeah that quote moraine says to just put Egwene in check it's like no we're the powerful ones you don't understand like men yeah. have this like destructive power right with the fire and the earth there but we're the ones with the actual power and in the glossary it was explaining like water and spirit combined those those are how you can heal or something like that and so Moraine clearly has those abilities. She has air, water, and spirit. And they were talking mm -hmm. about that it's... So already it's super rare to be an Aes Sedai. And then even right. rare to have that ability. And then once you are trained as an Aes Sedai, you're only going to be able to pull on certain powers within the one power. And so you might be more inept in... Adept? Sorry. You might be uh, stronger in, you know, water or spirit, but not so much in earth and fire. And then it's even rare mm -hmm. to be strong in three. And then it's pretty much impossible to be strong in all of them, which is started my gears going. I was like, who is it? Who's strong in all of them? Who, who's got them all? But that person, I assume, would die immediately. If you're pulling and you, you're strong in all powers, that can't be something that you can harness you know, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah, I'm not really sure. I'm like, we'll learn more about it later. Like, uh, both men and women can use all five of the powers. They just are more adept at using the certain ones. Oh, oh, I see. But yeah, I just, I love learning more about, you know, the one power. Because like we were saying mm -hmm. uh, last chapter, we learned that there's like different, you know, factions of Aes Sedai's. And now there's different right. factions of the one power that you can pull on. And so there's just so yeah. much more to get in there. I think I remember you saying this probably in like the prologue or maybe chapter one that like there's so Aes Sedai is a term, but there's just so much in that. And that's what I'm kind of starting to to see yeah. now. Yeah. Um, and I think that because, you know, Moraine's saying this to Egwene and she senses this fear from Egwene kind of because, you know, it's understandable. Egwene's going to be scared. There's a lot of stuff that she's learning about herself and and understanding that Aes Sedai aren't the best. And also, much like how Moraine is treating the boys, she doesn't really tell Egwene a lot about, hey, I, I'm good. Trust me. I'm going to reassure right. you. She doesn't. She just says, listen, um, at least this is what I got. I said, I, we're all just humans, you know, none yes. of us are good and bad, which I love that theme. It's so much more interesting, which I understand might make me hypocritical, my old points where I'm like, why isn't she good? But <laughs> I think that this, this is the most reassuring thing Lorraine has said in saying that I can't give you the reassurance that you desire. You want to know that this group that you're joining is good. You want to know that what you're doing is good, but I can't give you that because whoever you are that's not going to change once you become Aes Sedai but you're just going to be learning a lot more and so we're not all good we are all human and so I think that in and of itself right. is a really good lesson and then yeah she yes. just lets drop the the bomb that there's a there's another Luke yeah. there's another but um <laughs> I, I don't know. That's that's Moraine's main quest. I, I think the other is definitely Rand. So she says her. I think she's trying oh, okay. to throw people off. But it has uh -huh. to be Rand. Rand's too important. I, I don't know. I just think we're losing sight of the main character here. Main character of my <laughs> heart, Rand Al yeah. Thor. Okay. Yeah. But no, I, I'm warming to Egwene a bit more in this chapter because you're seeing more vulnerability from her. You're seeing more fear. And you're seeing right. sort of her, her interest in... The, in the Aes Sedai and like trying to trust Moraine, but she's also confused. So I, I'm giving, I'm giving my girl Eggie 
you know, another chance here. Yeah, no, I think she's very similar. And maybe this is just how a lot of women are in the two rivers. They don't like to show their weakness. They like to pretend that they know what they're doing at all times. And like, they're not afraid of anything because they have their shit together, but it's, that's not necessarily how they feel inside. It's just how they're portraying themselves. And you have to kind of remember that's all just a facade, Mm -hmm. but they don't always let you in on that. Right. So I also really liked the theme of, and Maureen's kind of warning, you know, that not every Aes Sedai is going to be good or courageous or strong or something like that. Like, you have to remember that these are all just humans at the end of the day. And I think it's just a good warning, not that the Two Rivers boys need it to be wary of Aes Sedai, mm-hmm. but you can't go one way or the other to either extreme. You can't hate all of them because some of them are good, but you can't just fully accept them and believe whatever they say because some of them aren't. So you got to be careful. This is such a lesson, though, in life. Yeah. You can't put everyone in their group. We all do it. I do it. It's so hard to separate. Once Mm -hmm, once mm -hmm. you've decided on a group of people, you can't separate them. This makes more sense, though, why there would be different societies of Aes Sedai, as Maureen's saying. We're not all the same. We don't know what society she's part of, right? I don't think that's been revealed. No, she could be a red. We don't know. But... mm, mm -hmm. Or black. (laughs) She could be a dark (gasps) friend. Oh Oh my god. Yeah. Oh, I don't think we even talked about that last episode. I don't think so. I only know about it because it's in the glossary. I just read that line in the the glossary. Yeah, so dark friends are just normal humans who side with the shadow for whatever reason, usually for their own power mm-hmm. or like greed or something like that. They kind of work with the Trollocs and the Murdral or, but mo- I think most of them are just kind of normal people who are really greedy. Yeah. But we'll meet them eventually. Yeah. Of um, course. But at the end of this kind of exposition dump, Rand gives himself away or no, I don't even think he does. Oh, yeah, this part was awesome. Egwene asks, why did the Trollocs come to Emmons Field? And mm-hmm. I'll just quote this. The Aes Sedai's head swung, and she looked straight at Rand's hiding place. His breath seized in his throat, and her eyes were as hard as when she had threatened them. <laughs> and he had the feeling they could penetrate the leather leaf's thick branches. Light, what will she do if she finds me listening? <laughs> Do you think she knew he was there? I, I, yeah. I mean, I think she definitely knew uh, he was there. Okay, to me, this reminded me of, sorry. This is like when Dumbledore looks directly at Harry and Ron and Hermione when they're yes. under the invisibility cloak in Hagrid's hut. Like, yeah. And he, he's, I can't remember, but he says something to the, to the, the hut, but to them. But he, so he, he sensed they were there. I don't think he saw them, but he got that sense. So I think the same mm-hmm. thing with Moraine. Like she's like, oh, got a, got a sense because she can sense Aes Sedai's, right? And Rand has something going on with him. So she just does that. But I thought originally when I read this, I thought that Egwene's asking, why did the Trots come to Emmons Field? I thought that that's something that only Egwene would know if Rand told her. Or something. Yeah, she doesn't know. So she doesn't know why the Trollocs came. That she doesn't yeah. know why the boys are were running from the village. She thinks 
in her opinion, probably, that they were just going off on an adventure. Like, Moraine was mm-hmm. leaving and they wanted to go, and that's why Egwene was like, I want to join too. You can't just go have your own adventure without me. She doesn't know that they're running well, from but, them. Well, but, like, the boys barely... I guess, yeah, that's the only thing you do know. They are running from Trollocs, and that is yeah. it. But I thought, like, right. Egwene saying this, this tipped Moraine off to, like, uh, are the boys trying to... Were they talking to you about this? Because you shouldn't know anything. Right. Because I thought that was a weird moment for her to just immediately be like, oh someone's around us because Rand had been mm-hmm. listening for a while but yeah that's what I thought I just thought she just kind of Dumbledore that situation and was like no I I can sense it you. does seem like it it definitely seems like it for yeah. sure oh uh, yeah oh yeah all right so besides that we also got some new info from Avin the gatekeeper we learn some new terms mainly the children of the light Oh, wow. What is your... I want to know what your first impression is of them from what we know from Avin. So, I'd like to say very quickly, when they approach this city, my favorite quote from my boy Perrin, how can so many people live in one place? (laughs) Yeah, good question, Perrin. I don't know either. It's actually a pretty good question. Why am I living on top and also underneath people currently? I don't know, but this (laughs) this is how cities work. Why can I hear my neighbor? (laughs) Exactly, all the time. Okay, so Children of the Light or White Cloaks... Yes. As Evan, even Avon, Avon. We're gonna say Avon. Aphid, yes. Aphid, um, yes. So I did read the glossary because if I didn't read the glossary, I would have no idea. Because he he does explain what they are, but not really. So what I got from it was they are a religious group, but they're extremely militant, mm-hmm. and they're dedicated to defeating the dark ones. So it's kind of like they're all for the same goal they just go about it in different ways meaning like the Aes Sedai and the White Cloaks and pretty much everyone else in this world yeah but including the dark one they also consider the Aes Sedai an enemy almost like dark friends which is why it's probably valid for Rand to compare the two Aes Sedai uh, being dark friends yeah it's a theme for sure yeah it seems like the White Cloaks there's there's going to be run-ins with them. This isn't actually a fish, an official cop and talk theory, but there might be run-ins with them later because they hate Aes Sedai. So if they find out Moraine's Aes Sedai, it could be very bad. I assume they also would hate warders because of their uh, alignment yeah. with, with Aes Sedai. Right. Anyone who's a friend or doesn't hate Aes Sedai is a dark friend to them. Right. Exactly. But yeah, so the impression I got, because we actually haven't met them, but it seems like they're sort of in and around Barillon. They're around. That's not their goal, but they're around because they're just trying to suss out anyone who could be a dark friend or all supporting mm-hmm. the dark one because there's a war going on. So they're just kind of everywhere. It seems like they are not really welcome in Barillon. No one likes them, but it's just like any crazy religious cult. No. Like what? Yeah. Are- I mean, who doesn't love militant religious people, right? I know. Aren't they everyone's favorite also? We, we love them. Yeah, exactly. So, so not great. Um, I, yeah, Children of the Light, that's such a classic, like, cult name where you, it's this creepy positive thing, but it's just, they're psychos, absolute psychos. They tell you to walk in the light and it's an order, Avin says, and if you don't walk in the light as what they think walking the light is, then you're a dark friend and you can get fucked as far as they're This sounds like the Salem Witch Trials. It's like, if you burn up, then you are a witch, so you're gonna die anyway. Mm -hmm. This is sort of like Mm -hmm. a a no-win situation yeah. uh is happening here so so we'll meet them later on or we'll see their presence in Barillon later on um the other rumor that avin was talking about was 
the war in Gildon, which he said there was a huge battle there recently, and rumor has it that all of the Aes Sedai that went down, or at least most of them, are dead, which is kind of crazy, and Moraine questions him further about that, because obviously she probably wants to know what's going on there. Yeah. Well, because, like, the Aes Sedai, they're not immortal, right? Like, they can be killed, but it's probably super rare, right? It's definitely rare, Yeah. Because if you have the one power to protect yourself, then it's got to yeah. be hard to kill you unless you're not expecting it and you can't use the power in time to help yourself. But, right. you know, this this guy who's calling himself the false dragon, or he's calling himself the dragon, can channel, supposedly. So he's a big problem. And he also has named his followers the people of the dragon, and rumor has it that he's moving towards... Tier. Mm-hmm. And this is where we get another kind of like backstory history lesson on. I should have looked up how to pronounce this. I'm going to call it the prophecies of the dragon for now. Yeah. This is cycle. a big deal. Yeah. Oh, love a prophecy. Yeah. We love prophecies. Rand is like, what the hell is this? What are you talking about? Why is he. What's the people of the dragon? Why is Tear such a big deal? Turns out. In Tyr, there's this fortress called the Stone, which is a big part of the prophecies of the dragon. That will be the defining moment where everyone knows the true dragon has been reborn. Mm -hmm. Supposedly, once the stone falls, which it hasn't fallen in the 3,000 years that it's been built, and once the dragon... What is the actual quote? Okay, it's once, once the sword that cannot be touched is wielded by the dragon's hand which also lies within the stone. So those two things have to happen. The stone has to fall and the dragon has to wield the sword that cannot be touched. And then everyone will know that is the true dragon. So this dude who's calling himself the dragon is going off to Tyr, supposedly to try to fill the prophecy. Yeah, and there's like Heart of the Stone, High Lord of Tyr. Also, are we not sure this right. isn't uh, Viserys Targaryen? Isn't this what he's been talking about this whole time? <laughs> yeah. Like, right. with his with his army trying to, the dragon, don't wake the dragon. This is kind of what I was thinking Oh, about. very true. Yeah, and he does seem very similar. But yeah, it's like we totally forgot about this whole war. Because it's mentioned by the peddler in chapter 3, we're in chapter 13 now. And so mm-hmm. I've totally forgotten about this whole Gildon thing. And obviously, Moraine's not worried about it because other Aes Sedai were sent to gentle, probably, the mm-hmm. false dragon. But if Aes Sedai are dying, that means this guy probably can channel. This isn't, mm-hmm. a, this isn't good. If he can channel... Not good news. No, if he can channel, that means he's going to be going mad and a lot of destruction's happening. If he already has an army, it said thousands. Yeah, thousands of followers. They're going to tear. Like... Uh, maybe we're going to have to put a bookmark in this journey to Tarvalin because this is really, really bad. I know. Let's bring the children to the war. Right. That'll help. Right. I mean, at least this is what, um, Avon is, is telling Lan and Moraine. Like, uh, I don't know. Not good. I'm still reluctant to believe any of this though, honestly. Right. No, it, it is all rumor at this point. Yeah. And he's clearly not the most reliable person he's probably just heard this from word of mouth from who knows how many people in between here and there mm-hmm. so we don't know if this is actually true but it doesn't sound like things are going well for the quote good guys no it doesn't i guess the only proof uh quote unquote would be like the uh presence of white cloaks in Berlon, because i guess the point is that they're in Berlon because of this false dragon and gildon to like stamp it out but you're right it's like 
they're all on the same side, but these guys are freaks and they hate everyone. It's probably going to kill a bunch of people with no evidence. Yeah. This is like a theme that is being hammered in already 13 chapters into the book that even yeah. though people may have what you would assume are good intentions on paper, like a good goal, a righteous goal on paper, the way they do it or the way they go about it may not be good or no. it's a very gray area. No, yeah, this was this was a lot to wrap my head around, especially just learning about Egwene and everything. It's like, wait a minute, there's a whole other war? And like <laughs> yeah. the whole thing about Tyr, I was like, oh, it's just too much. The stone and the, the king, uh, what's his name? King Arthur with the sword. It's like, there's right? a lot. Yeah, the sword and the stone. Mm -hmm. I assume that if this is true and there is an army, the people of the dragon approaching Tyr, there's going to be this huge like standoff battle war thing. If that, so if, this right. group reaches tier, you'd think that all Aes Sedai are going to be dispatched. Right. You know? Like, let's go. I mean, yeah, they'd have to breach the stone, which hasn't been done in 3,000 years. So they've got their work cut out from them if they make it there. But... Yeah, it's just hard. Yeah, I guess... Uh, I don't know. I, I wonder if this war thing is going to be more of a theme in the later books. Like, it's just something that, like, we're going to plant this in now so that you, the readers, are aware that there's this larger conflict happening outside, but right now we're just zoning in on this the our crew mm -hmm. but like it doesn't mm -hmm. it doesn't seem like it's happening far far away it seems pretty imminent i know yeah i mean if the white cloaks are here it can't be too far from gildon so no things aren't going great i wanted to point out <laughs> this one quote because i think it relates to the chapter title mm. so basically i can't remember what's happening but moraine is talking to the boys like they're scared or something. I can't really remember. But she says, there's no other choice except to run and hide and run again for the rest of your lives. <laughs> it's a great picture. And then Rand is kind of like, well, the Aes Sedai has made our choices. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's when they're approaching the city. And they're like, oh, it's so far. Mm -hmm. It's a long way from home. And Rand's like, you guys have a lot further to go. And she's like, you're going to have to run and run and right. run. The forever buzzkill. No, seriously. But it, to me, it's just because the chapter title is choices. And I was trying to think about, well, how does that have anything to do with this chapter? And I think it's this. I think it's this in reference to they, the boys feel they don't have a choice. All of their choices are Moraine's choices. She's determining what they are supposed to be doing. She's determining what mm -hmm. their rest of their lives mm -hmm. are going to look like. She's saying there's this target and they're going to have to run and keep running and keep running still. And there will be no rest or time to relax. It doesn't exist. And that's the choice you made. It's like, what, 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 where was the choice that they made? Now, this might be totally just a, a one-off quote. I don't know. But I just thought that was something that's interesting that, you know, they don't trust this Aes Sedai, yet she's doing all the decision making because she's like, you will die without me yeah. and you will die with me. So. <laughs> Sounds like I'm excited to go live my life. Thank you, Moraine. Uh, yes. That's it for me. Let's get into Coplin Talk. Let's get into your predictions. Let's do it. And wrap it up from there. So my first prediction, back to trainer land time, I believe that Tam uh, was a warder. And oh. the reason is because in the, I don't know if this exists, but the training to be a warder, they also talk about this flame and void thing. So the only other time that Lan heard the phrase flame and void in reference to, you know, focusing was when he was trained to be a warder. And so the only other person who would know that phrase also would have had to have been a warder, which is Tam. Hmm. And so when Rand says flame in the void, 
lands like um the fuck did you just say how do you even know about flame mm-hmm. in the void type of thing mm-hmm. like maybe it's sort of like secretive information but that it, it kind of clicked something in my head because like you said it's hard to get rand's uh lands everyone has the same name come on i know rand lan <sighs> moraine Egwene, nynaeve there's gonna be more trust Matt, me it Pat, gets worse so much yeah <laughs> tomato tomato so many but it's hard to sort of catch Lan off guard. And I think Rand did that. And we know so little about Tam's previous life and how he met Kari and how he just picked up Rand off the side of a mountain and this war that he was in in Kyrian. Mm-hmm. So I think he was a warder. I think his past is pretty, pretty interesting. Um, my other theory is that Rand and Egwene at some point are going to be separated because Moraine mentions that her path her referring to the other person in the two rivers who can channel, which I think is Rand. She's trying to conceal it with the pronouns, but her path is different, I fear. And so I think they're going to be separated. So I think because they're both going to be trained in the ways of the Aes Sedai, um, to effectively do that, they have to be separate from each other. But before they reach Tarvalin, and my previous theory is that Egwene's going to die, so she's not going to make it and she's going to die. But Rand only hears about this death once he gets to Tarvalin, I think this news actually causes mm. him to go crazy, go mad. I think it's going to be oh, really bad nice. for the two of them. I really hope they can sort of air things out before they get separated. But I just, I don't see this this core group staying together much longer. Because the road to Tarvalin seems like a long ways away. And a lot of shit's going to happen in between them. Right now, obviously, we're going to hang out at the stag and the lion for a bit, I think the next chapter is called The Stag of the Lion. So we're probably going to stay in Barillon. Mm-hmm. But I think the, the, these two have to be have to be separated for Aes Sedai reasons. So that one's not really fleshed okay. out. But, Interesting. But there you go. No, no, I like it. I like those two theories. I think they're interesting. There you go. That's all you can. I was going to say something else, but I, I can't. All you can give me. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Hmm. By the way, I don't I don't want Egwene to die. It's just a theory, but it you know. Oh right, right, right. Yeah. Of course. Of course. course. Yep. So that about wraps it up for this episode. Yep. Again, as always, please send us any thoughts you have about this episode, about your thoughts and theories, or your opinions on what we've been saying, or if we've been pronouncing things wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just tell us your theories and your thoughts. Yeah. That's what we want to know, okay? Cop and talk at Gmail. Rate and review, all that good stuff. Contact us if you want to. Okay, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) See you next time. Bye.